G'day guys and welcome to another week of What Are The Odds, brought to you by the Yorkshire Hotel. And unlike us, they are always reliable. The food's always good, the drinks are always cold, the footy's always on. You know what you're going to get from them, they will not let you down. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we let you down. We've taken a good hard look at ourselves. We've gone through the book of cliches, the book of platitudes. We sold you a bum steer last week. We only got four out of our 12 correct. We did give you nine, six out of nine tips right, but you're here for the cash, cold, hard, dollar, dollar money bills, y'all. And we didn't give it to you. We apologize. We underrated the Tigers, who are a genuine top four side, and now a destructive attacking force who should not be underrated. And we apologize. We underrated the rejuvenated Bulldogs and the power of Luke Beveridge, a man who clearly understands the triggers of motivation better than we understand the form lines. We toy with the weather gods of the Apple Isle and Tasmania, and I ignore the weatherman Baz, giving you the overs in the North Blues game when clearly the unders was the plane. We shunned the powerful trend of bounce-back ability that the Bombers have seemed to possess, and proceeded to blow up all of our multis when we subscribed to the rich inner suburban lies of the Melbourne Football Club who, while saying they want to be known as the unsociable Ds, are too busy bowing, curtsying to bust in and win their own footy in the wet. Our weekend wasn't completely lost, however. Geelong covered the line with ease, Menzel kicked another bag, and Crust the Clan did so as well, despite it being wet in Tasmania. And to round it out, the Purple Haze hung on long enough for, oh, against the Giants to scrape us together another $1.92. But in the end, it was a poor weekend. So, Brian... What was your take on round four? Yeah, look, uh, a few teams have definitely stitched us up a bit. And, you know, maybe you should listen to me a bit more. You know, you're right about Melbourne. I was right about Melbourne. But for some reason, after talking about why Melbourne would lose, um, I went against that and went with probably my heart more than my head. And we said that we should go with our head more. But, yeah, I was right about Essendon. They bounced back. And I was right about the unders. But, you know, I think we, we got too much uh, clash last week. We yeah. wanted to try and do each other. I think we need to get back to round one and two sort of stuff where we, we, we're together, we're a unit, we're a team. Um, I don't like what you said about the, the destructive attacking force of, of, of Richmond, mate, because, again, if you listened to me last week about Brisbane, I did say that Brisbane, I feel like Brisbane are about to drop off for a few weeks, but I wasn't confident enough to, to make the money on it. But, you know, that's that's where we go. Um, yeah, I just wanted to head wobble a little bit there again. Yeah, that's but, fine, that's, that's fine. fine yeah. but, I was more just saying, because there's been a few comments... Uh, from listeners and readers saying that we don't rate Richmond enough. Well, we seem to be talking Richmond down. It's because I hate them. I know. And, it, and it's coming through. Apparently. <laughs> the listeners are saying, I'm pretty sure Brian's saying one sentence that Richmond's really, really good at football. And the next sentence saying, but I'm not backing them because they're not good enough. And then they go out and do that to a side. And that's like, no, they, they're definitely good enough. They're a real proper top four side. Yeah, no, they're a good team. Yeah, but I just don't like them. Yeah. It's, it's like your hatred for North, you know? It's, yeah, but it's they're similar. not a good team, though. Yeah, but it's still That's, that's the difference. That's similar. the difference. Yeah, look, there was a few things that didn't work out this weekend, but all in all, you know, we got the roughie up, which was good. It probably covered. So if you follow our best bets of the weekend, which is our roughie value and, and best bet, when I mean, you have all year, our multi hasn't got up yet, but we're in front there. And look, if you're a punter that bets on 15 horse, say a horse racing, you bet on 15 horses on a Saturday, 
it's very unlikely you're going to come away in front. You know, if you're mucking around, having a bit of a play here and there, you know, good on you. But yeah, back our main bets, and I think you're still fine. You're in front, so if that's what you're kicking up a stink about, or you know, don't listen to us either. Either it's fine as well, I suppose. But no, keep listening to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you'll hear some more. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more, a bit more stuff about uh, and dig into each other a bit more as we go through the rest of the games about how right or wrong we were last week. Yeah, absolutely. So on that, I was just very disappointed in Melbourne because so was I. We, we've been defending them all week and on, and basically all year and try and all last year as well being like this on paper you look at that side and you go that's a good that's a good looking footy side there's a bit going on here we like what we see and they go out and do that and they do that too often they just it looks like they don't show up and then I don't like saying that because I don't like cliches and our listeners are better than that and so what I did was I left that game very annoyed Went and watched the long game, made sure we got something out of the weekend. We did, and I was like, right, let's find out why Why did Melbourne actually lose? So I booked out my whole Monday night. I was like, there are like 28 TV shows on a Monday night dedicated to football. Surely one of them will sit down and explain to me why Melbourne lost. Yep. And none of them did. Not AFL 360, not Talking Footy, not Footy Classified, not On the Couch. None of them. There's all these platitudes about oh Melbourne is soft and oh they don't they don't dig in and oh they don't hit the contest hard enough. But that's all. That's like you're a football coach. That's not that, you don't say that to players. You don't talk about that. You talk about structures or technique or decision making. And I think the fans need that. And especially if you want to you know invest your own money into it, you need to understand: is it a structural flaw? Is it a talent flaw? Is it a list deficiency? That's the better. They're the three things it could possibly be. Uh, I could. I, I watched. I went to the game. Yep. Sat in the balcony. Uh, it was pretty good. I was pretty co- confident of Melbourne winning. Obviously, first half was great. Second half fell away, and Melbourne, well, obviously, only kicked one or two goals after quarter time. Fell away. And for me, their defence is a massive problem. They're too easy to score against. And we've seen that against Geelong. We've seen it against North. We've seen it against Brisbane. So, from- well, did you actually see this? So last night, of those five major football shows, four of them ran with your stat. Yeah, which was which I did last week, where, mm. they, where they got scored against heavily. Mm. They allowed Hawthorne ten goals straight as well. Mm. So I spoke about last week how they just they just get scored against too easily for patches, and then you backed them. Just not to back over, yeah, it, I know, but, I know. but just to let you know, everyone came out with the excuse and then yeah. the reason why, and then you and then you, but you were already there. Yeah, you I predicted was, the future. I predicted it. Yeah, they also they also set up a bit differently. So obviously Goodwin likes the man coming off the back of the square at centre bounces. Yep. So we saw on the weekend they had at Centre Square they had no wings. They had uh, Lever playing behind the ball, and, and obviously Lewis was lining up the wing, but going behind as well. He was coming off the back of the square. They had Neil Bullen who was playing on the other wing. He was going forward to man up on the Hawthorne spare. So they had seven forwards, but there was an extra extra Hawthorne player as well coming off the wing because his opponent was sitting back. And yeah, I just think that that's, that that doesn't work for him because Lewis isn't going to hurt you off the back of no. the square. That's where you need to have your gartlet coming back off the square. So, or someone with a bit of pace who can, you know, slingshot it forward or you know, tag it through and actually run through the congestion and get it deep forward. And then after that, it was almost they both played, or Hawthorne played with sometimes two or three behind the ball. So Melbourne were getting the footy, you know, and just banging it forward. And they had no sep- like they had the forwards weren't rolling up, and uh, Hogan was trying to do too much. Like he was pushing into midfield. They really lacked another target to bring the ball to ground. And when Gorn went off, he was off for a period there in the second quarter where Hawthorne got lots of momentum. And 
they're all sitting there going, where's Gorn? Because McAvoy's just toying with Melbourne's second ruck. For me, they, yeah, they rushed the ball. They didn't kick very well. They don't kick very well, especially coming out of the back line. So uh, Lever had, I think, 38% kicking efficiency. Um, Lewis had about, you know, it was about, about the same. He just kept butchering it and kicking it to Hawthorne blokes. And they lacked that speed off halfback as well to break the line, to get past the Hawthorne zone. They just zoned really well. There was no creativity from their back line where they weren't trying to switch or move the ball. So just playing the Hawthorne zone and they couldn't get anything forward. So if it wasn't for Hogan, unless Gart was getting out the back, they really had nothing going forward either. So I think they need to look at their forward line and maybe bring in a Weedering or bring back Pedersen or try and find another a forward that can help out Hogan just to create a contest. Because for me, I think they're they're too predictable going forward. Absolutely. And I think along there, I picked out kind of five pillars, but they all kind of come to the same the same game plan. So Goodwin's instilled this this game plan in Melbourne when they want to play off a skinny and short field. So they, they play two at the back, and they go, let's win this contest and then try and get one of our forwards out in the space. Let's create the space yeah. at the end of the field, and we'll send him to our one key forward, and he'll win it one out. Yeah. But they... That, and they set up like that for a centre bounce and then they don't change for any other situation Yeah. so that's what Hawthorne needs to do is be like well we'll just play on reverse to that space Yeah. so we won't bomb it long we'll, we'll cut, in, cut in short into their zone and pick them apart and go around which, is, which suits Hawthorne's style and it didn't make any sense so yeah they got the first four goals obviously everyone in the coach's box is going yep this is working great we can, we can just play Goal square, set of square to goal square in this in this channel. At that time, and then at that time it was working fine. And then Hawthorne went, no, nah, let's flip the switch. Let's go around. Let's go slow and around the outsides, and let's go and pick our way through these yeah, guys. Pick the way through. And when they got out, they went out the back to space because Melbourne's defence was too slow. And I reckon it was three or four times where they got out the back. And also Melbourne's defence didn't communicate. So there was, I lost count. I reckon it would have been five or six goals from contests. Hawthorne players stayed down. Four or four or three or four Melbourne blokes went up. The bloke's staying down, picks up the footy, goes, I've got five minutes of space, you who I cracked the shits about that in under nineteens. Like I oh, hmm. seriously I, I mean, it happened to us and you know, it's lessons learned about communication. They're playing AFL level. Like, and especially when you see who their two guys are meant to be the spares. So they play Lewis and Lever essentially as pivots. Yeah. So they play as the free men in front of the front of the play. Yeah, and they they, they didn't and they have didn't, an impact. They didn't have an impact, they didn't go third up, they didn't go and create an outnumber and they were never really uh, didn't hold anyone else accountable yeah. so they the number of times that Melbourne left a Hawthorne forward free on an 8 on 6 outnumber yeah is, is, was ridiculous yeah because they didn't want to work hard enough hmm. and they thought someone else was going to do it and this is the part where this is I don't think this game plan works in Melbourne against the really good teams like Hawthorne because if they want to play two behind the ball they need to get someone to slingshot to get ahead of the ball so they even up that contest and they're not fast enough to do that who, who in that side is like Hawthorne's wingers yeah. who can go from behind the ball to in front of the ball while the ball's still transitioning they don't have an Isaac Smith no they don't have, they don't, a, they don't have, an, they don't have an MP yeah you don't have a Bruce yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't have a, a Gunston you don't have a Tim O'Brien who can just take big pack marks good set of hands and Sicily is was awesome I didn't really I, I've, I've always liked Sicily he's a bit of an angry man but I like it but I didn't realise how good a kick he was until Sunday when he's just kicking them out and lacing them out 55-60 metres that's just Hawthorne now like yeah. Mira came in from VFL to AFL you just he looked like a bloke who'd been playing AFL for yeah. five years well we, you do look at it though Melbourne do get a lot of inside 50s and they only I think they only had they had 50 odd inside inches. they had one less than Hawthorne their conversion rate was in the 30s 
So you look against Geelong, they dominated those stats as well. Uh, and even you know, against uh, North Melbourne and stuff like that, they dominated as well, but didn't put them away. The thing that they got smashed at was the clearances. Again, and like you take out, so they did a pretty good job tagging Tom Mitchell, but other blokes stu- stood up. It, but they negated, you know, Nathan Jones did a job on Mitchell, but he, ne- he didn't have an influence himself. Mm. And did you see Clarko's press conference afterwards? No, I didn't know. Uh, because that's what they mentioned to him. They're like, oh, Nathan Jones did a really good job on Tom Mitchell today, you know, limiting to only like 25 touches. Yeah, he still Clarko, And Clarko goes, did he? Yeah. And they're like, what? And he's like, but he, he had 10 clearances. Yeah. As a Mitchell, and they're yeah. like, oh yeah, and it's like, oh, and he had eleven score involvements yeah. and, and twenty score impacts. Yeah, and how many did Jones have? Oh, that's right, he was beaten all those facets of the game other than touches on Mitchell. Yeah. So is it really even worth? And this is the best thing about Clarker because he has these pillars to his game that he can flick. And as the as the bastion of of coaching, the, recently written the manual, he's just said to everyone else, don't mark him, don't yeah. don't bother marking Mitchell. So that it seems like now either you get. Waste your best player on this guy, or let him get forty touches. I think uh, he's just—he's just told the whole comp. Doesn't matter what you do, you well, stuff. Well, it does because I think Richmond showed what you should do. You put a player on him that's going to hurt him the other way, and yeah. do the hard stuff as well because it makes him defensive. Mm. And if, if he gets worried about his def- what he needs to do defensively, maybe that might stop him and make him a bit more caring about what's going on around the clearances and stoppages. But yeah, like he had another good game and his numbers were down, but he still had a massive influence. And for me, I think Gorn's ruck work was a bit stupid. So I think you go back through the tape, especially in the last half, there's a few times where you're just like, I'm going to smack it five or six metres clear of this. But Melbourne had none of the, the numbers. No, because they, they play it. so skinny. They yeah. play, there's not, so they, they're so hitting Hawthorne it, were it wide it on the outside channel yeah. to their speedsters, yeah. and they just take off. And yeah. so that's what you say about clearances. And everyone, this is the bit that annoys me again, everyone gets obsessed with contested possession numbers. And yeah, Melbourne are a great inside team. If Melbourne's such a great inside team, how come no one told their ruckman to keep keep the tap short the hip, on the, the ins- yeah. inside? For me, I, think, I don't think Goodwin's a, a very good coach. I think I've mentioned this once or twice before. Or he, or he hasn't got the people around him still to help him out because obviously when he's there with Paul Ruse, you had, had that experience and, and all that stuff. But now he probably doesn't have the the support around him. You know, you look at you look at Clarkson for instance. He's got some really good coaching staff around him. He's got you know, Scott Burns, um, Ratton, stuff like that. And even at Buckley now, look, he's got mm. to surround himself. You know, all these good clubs, are, you know, John Wanwire is a great support crew. So does Chris Scott. Like, so all these boys have, the coaches have, you know, great support. Does he have that support? I'm not sure. So, yeah, for me, I just think Melbourne are, need to restructure a little bit they need they really need Viney back they need that extra mid because they need Petrucca playing forward he's uh, he's not his numbers aren't there at the moment in the midfield he doesn't have the work rate and even so I watched all of their stoppages again and they just allowed Hawthorne to have one or two at the back with so much space and you get it out to them like, like we'll talk about Isaac Smith again and those sorts of blokes Bruce they just they absolutely torture hmm. so you can't do it and yeah, I think Melbourne have a lot, to, a lot of work to do because I can't see them, we'll probably talk about it again soon, but I can't see them getting anywhere near Richmond on what they dished up Sunday. No. Or what uh, they've dished up so far this year, really. And on the last time you're talking about for Melbourne, with Lewis gone, do they just play Lever as the one pivot and not play two behind the ball anymore and change it up and see, see that opportunity to be like, personnel will force us to change? Because yeah. I feel like they brought, they brought Lever in because he was talked up to be this great player 
and then didn't has never let him play the role he's there to play. Like because yeah. they already had Lewis, they already had a lever there. Yeah, playing just, that role, and I went, all right, we'll, we'll play two people in that role then. Yeah, it's not working. I, I think for me, Lewis needs to probably go more wing, half forward, maybe just that little leadership, or he doesn't get a game, maybe. Maybe he's past it, a bit slow. Lever needs to have Lever needs confidence back. He's still a young player. They need McDonald back, and they talk about McDonald playing forward. I've seen him in a few interviews the last few weeks for Melbourne boys. And for me, they need him back because they just—it's too easy at the moment for them. They don't have a key defender like Frost and younger McDonald. They do a serviceable job, but they've got no attacking flair or anything at the moment either. So Jaden Hunt probably comes back in and adds something. Whether they put, you know, maybe they put um. Gartlett behind the ball a bit and do what Charlie Cameron did for Adelaide and try and break the break the lines a little bit. But yeah, I think for me they need to make a few changes. So Yeah, and I think that comes to our, my last point here is that from the first four weeks of footy, I think we've realised that, you know, sometimes we want to rank teams in kind of spots. I haven't ranked them in terms of like their skill or their list, but I've ranked them in what they can do. And I think from a, from a betting or a tipping or prediction kind of view, this is really handy when you get the matchups. Like the worst part of that, that game was we tipped Melbourne. We saw that their game plan wasn't working in the second quarter. Yeah. And then we just knew. I just knew from then, all right, they're, they're stuffed. Like, they've got no other... They've got nothing else. Yep. This is the way they play footy. And so I think, in my mind, there are three groups of teams currently in terms of their game plan. So you've got your your, your top teams are your Swiss and Army Knife teams. And that's your Hawthorne personified. But also your types like Sydney, Geelong, Richmond, GWS now, and... Western Bulldogs and obviously the Bulldogs aren't the same quality of, of list but you see even against Sydney on the weekend they can change the way they play and they have they, they have the coaching structures and they have the disciplines in place to be like let's give this a crack yeah. we might not win and they, and they didn't but they have enough to compete and they know that if they get beaten in the first quarter they're not completely they're not completely cooked yeah. the same with the rest of those teams they might not win every week but you know that you're still in a chance if you tip them and then and they lost the first quarter yeah the opposite effect is, and again, these are the teams that we lost out on this week, so teams that have no plan B. So Melbourne's your prime one. They play one way, and that's it. Then you've got Port Adelaide, Essendon, Collingwood, Fremantle, Adelaide, North and West Coast. They have like, All of those teams have a great one-way style of football. If they challenge it all, though, then it's done. And you, they all have like a one key weakness that they can't get rid of. So whether it's, you know, they lack foot speed, they lack, they lack skills. So like Collingwood lacks that last kick inside 50. Except for the last two weeks. Except for the last two weeks, which they're fixing. But, you know. Adelaide, Adelaide definitely have one game plan, one game plan only. Yeah. I've got, we'll talk about a bit about that when now we talk about the Previews. preview with Sydney. But yeah, they definitely only know one way. And so for mine going forward, I won't, I won't really tip a, a, a no plan B team over a Swiss Army Knife team now. Yep. I know that Hawthorne will adapt like they did to Melbourne yep. and they'll beat them and that kind of thing. I know that Richmond can adapt and, and beat them most of the time, that kind of thing. And the last one is just no plan A. So just teams that look completely at sea and they're going to be your cellar dwellers this year. So your Cartons, your Brisbane, your Gold Coast and St Kilda. Think- Gold Coast might have a chance to improve, but the rest just don't. They look shell-shocked. And so, like, Brisbane on the weekend with Richmond. I know Richmond's probably the best team in the comp at the moment, but they still just had... They had nothing. They just had... They had no idea, no chance. How do we, how do we even try and score? Like, to get your equal lowest score of all time with with the talent they have on that list is really concerning. A lot of... you got to remember those four teams you mentioned are, are very young and inexperienced teams. And Brisbane have been up for three weeks and probably very, very stiff. They should have won one. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, they're travelling, so they've travelled a bit now. They've travelled Adelaide, Melbourne, so two travelling weeks but in a row. Would, what's their side. style of football? What's their plan? They, do, they take it on. They run up the guts. They take on the kicks. They take through the centre. That's why... That's I, not a plan. That's an attitude, though. Like, you can't... You don't... You don't they they're they very don't. zoned up as well. They're a bit Hawthorne-like with their zone defensively, yeah. and they're still learning those structures. And you That's of, what I mean. That's okay. And it's... And, like, teams... If you're ranking teams from top to bottom, yeah. there has to be a bottom group. Yeah, and they're is. in that bottom group. Yeah, I'm just saying... It's not, a, it's not an absolute slur on them, but it's the same with, like, the situation we have at Carlton. And Carlton's probably... Like, Brisbane, I can accept. It's a new it's a new coach, new structures. Like, they're going... They're, they're starting their rebuild. Yeah. Carlton's the one that's super concerning because they've been there for a while now. Well, yeah. Well, and like, they seem to always kind of just be like, we're in a rebuild. We're in a rebuild. Well, last we're in year, a rebuild. Super we're in a rebuild. Last year, they were super defensive. They've set up now to be a bit more attacking... Which meant they've tr- got their backs trying to play looser, so they can just set mark and go. But now they're getting caught in between, which is why Liam Jones had, I think it was 21 goals mm. on him this year. Because they don't understand their roles, they're still learning, and they don't have the cattle on the, on the park to do it either. Exactly. So, so in terms of this, in terms of just predictions going forward, those four teams, I was just never tipped. Yeah. Because, like, like, yeah, and on the weekend, well, they've got two Brisbane, together. Yeah, Brisbane Gold <laughs> But... It just means that, like, you can't, you can't trust them, you can't go in there. You can make, you can make reasons for them, and that's why we got. That's why I think we get tracked into sometimes. We kind of go look for the ultra positive and be like, oh, no, 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 but, you know, they showed this, they showed that, they've got some good players. That's all well and good, but at the end of the day, the other team can adapt and be like, yep, yeah, cool. Well, that's how, we, that's how we defeat that job done. So I think going forward, that's going to be my, my base structure in terms of matchups, and then we can look into the nitty gritties. <laughs> But anyway, that doesn't matter because this week there's been a bloody coup, hasn't there? There's been a coup. I got the tap on the shoulder on on Sunday night, and uh, Baz said, "Look, maybe, mate, you have a time. There's, there's a bit more time than the goose. Get your confidence back." So, uh, big bristling Brian over here has asked for the keys and believes he's the bloke best suitable to lead this team forward and to get us back in the profitable track. And so, uh, I'm giving you the keys right now to the car. Don't crash it and lead us through round five's tips. Well, yeah, well, I'm gonna try and get us back on the board here. Okay, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a leader. Yeah, you, you, to quote you from our other podcast, you, you're the bloke who wants the ball in his hand to win the game. Yep. Whether or not you're always the right bloke to give the ball to, it's a different story. But Correct. we're giving you the ball. Yep. So, so here you go. Sydney, Adelaide. Sydney, a dollar forty favourites. Adelaide, two dollar ninety five. Outsiders, how the mighty have fallen. How the Texas Mo has disappeared. Oh, wow. They're at the SCG. It's a 16.5 point line, and the under over is 173.5 points. Well, I just, you can't, in this day and age of AFL football, where there's 10 to 12 teams that are all within 5 to 10% of each other, you can't carry injured players in the games, and you can't have your best, injured, best players out injured, which is what at the moment Adelaide have. And again, you can't go into games with one game style where teams have probably got you figured out a bit now and expect to win games as well and expect to get over the top of teams. I think Adelaide need to have a look at how they go about it. They don't have the leg speed they did last year either. So that, I mean, I've mentioned it before probably two or three times, especially when we did our, you know, predicted wins for the season. They really miss Brody Smith and even more so Charlie Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I said how good uh, Brisbane's recruitment of him, Charlie Cameron, was. It's just an even bigger loss, I think, for Adelaide now. Anything about, it. especially their forward line. You know, Eddie Betts has been a bit down. He's obviously on a hamstring. He's missing for two weeks. 
So they like that, like that energy and someone's in a tackle and pressure and stuff. Eddie Best does it, but Charlie Cameron did it a lot better than Eddie. And I don't see him having another player like that. Like Fogarty's come in and trying to be a hard ass and mate, you need to get some footy first before you start whacking blokes. Like, yeah, don't get wrong, I like it, but you need to get a touch. You yeah. can't just whack blokes thinking you can keep getting the game out for football. And it's time for Adelaide's second stringers to you know stand up. Like your Seedsmans, your Atkins, your Greenwoods. You know, he's been good, Greenwood, don't get me wrong, for a bloke who's come from where he has. But you look at Sydney, and you've got their star standing up. But you've also got Florent, Towers, Callum Sinclair, Cunningham, and a few others that I mentioned last week. And they have a plan B. So Buddy can play deep, Buddy can play up. They also trial different players. So Sydney on the weekend, as badly as it worked, Alir Alir played four for Sydney because they just wanted that extra tour to help out uh, Buddy because it worked so well with, with Reed. Unfortunately, Alir Alir should not be playing forward ever again. Yeah, and, and the worst part is he's not Reed either. So that's, it's quite unfair. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, again, it's, it's putting structure over players. And so Longmire said, you know what? I know that Alir Alir is not as good as Reed. Yeah. But... We has to. We, this is the role we want to play, so we are still dynamic. We can still, you know, still attack, still attack oppositions in different ways. So, is it going to work as much as well as it's going to work with Reed? Not at all. But this is what we're going to. This is what we're going to do. We're going to back him in and do a role. He did a role, ish, and yeah, that's that's why Sydney are a better team now. Yeah, I just think in that small ground SCG, a bit more congested. Adelaide might be able to get their run going. Both teams are going to set up really well behind the footy as they do. I think Sydney's leg speed will hurt them all. You know, Zach Jones and you know, those sorts of blokes, Florent, um, Heaney, all those blokes, will, and you know, hopefully Rowan comes back. I'd like to see Rowan out of the goal square. I think that's he plays some good footy there in the past for Sydney, and, and then allows Buddy to play a bit higher. But for me, this game is not a betting perspective. Um, Brady averages four goals a game in the last five games against him, so he's had the wood over tar, you would say. And for me, I just think Friday night, I'd be sitting down watching this game and enjoying it, getting ready for Saturday, and uh, just leaving it alone from a punting perspective. Yep, no, fair enough. All of the all the markers are pretty much spot on. Yeah, tip Sydney. Just tip Sydney. So, Saturday morning starts off. St Kilda, $3.80 outsiders playing against the GWS Giants. They're $1.27 favourites, and they're playing at Etihad under the dome. There's one thing I've learned about GWS this year, is that they're serious, and they're good. And in the past, you would have thought, you know what, GWS coming to Etihad, against St Kilda have been struggling. They might be a little bit ahead of themselves. Might be ahead of themselves. But for me, I think that uh, the Saints are ordinary. And they showed how ordinary they were last last week against Geelong. People say they were better... They were better. But Jack Billings, you know, one of their better players, took him three quarters to have an effective disposal. So it took him three quarters to have an effective disposal. It's yeah. not that hard to get an effective handball in the AFL. You pick it up, you f- who's, where's the bloke, yeah. you give it to him. Griffin was good last week. Um, you know, Delidio was better again, like he's starting to improve. They've already stated that Loeb and Kelly probably won't come back in. Toby Green came back, so he's got a week under his belt. I think GWS is serious, and I think they'll uh, win by over 13 and a half. Yeah, I, I don't see this going any other way. And I don't know how long the Saints hang on for. Just, what, what's... Cameron's going to have a field day. What's going to happen here? Like, yeah, and it, it's too... Like, they haven't got a Ruckman really either, so Patton probably you know gets away with it again, like he did against Sydney. And I think their midfield, Coniglio, is probably 
I'd have him up there in top five for Brownlow at the moment. He's going really, really well. That's too much class for me. And yeah, I think my bet for this game is GWS over 30 and a half. Yep, I'm very much agreeing with that. Any take on the overs then as well at 180? Because that looks a bit low if you reckon they're going to do an absolute number. Um, again, again, if they might, they might score 17 points. Well, Kilda, so. St Kilda are probably, I think they're the worst, if not second worst, uh, accuracy in the comp. So yeah, they they have they average about 15 shots a game, but they're kicking, you know, six goals eight or you know th- three goals 15 or something stupid. So I don't see them kicking a high score, but GWS could run rampant. But I don't want to touch the over unders. I'm just going for. Well, I think it's solid bets and good making money. And I think that over three and a half, around the three bucks is a pretty good bet. Moving on to another mismatch of epic proportions. Carlton playing at the G. Yep. Playing out in the cold and the wet. It's actually going to be 25 on Saturday. You never know with Melbourne. You just never know. But uh, predicted 25 on the weekend. $4.20 outsiders against West Coast. $1.23 favourites. The line here is 27 and a half. And the over-under... 178 and a half. Surely Carlton go back to being more defensive. That's not what Bolton said. Bolton said it's about the processes, or about the key learnings. Well, Cruz is not playing now. Or about the patterns. They reckon Cruz is out. Match styles. Murphy's out. I just can't. They, they're starting to remind me of when GWS and Gold Coast came into the comp. And they feel that all these young players at least had some experience around them. There's Carlton for mine really lack that senior experience, those senior bodies. On that point, did you see the article that Robbo wrote? No. He he suggested that they trade Murphy for more draft picks. Well, it just it, you, How dumb would that be? Yeah, and you look at clubs like your Hawthorns, your Geelongs, your Sydneys. I mean, to probably a lesser extent, even like your Collingwoods and stuff like that, Essendon's and that, they, they never really bombed out to rebuild. And be, like, I know Collingwood's been successful is probably a bad one, but you know, Essendon's rebuilding and even West Coast, you know, like they, they had rejuvenated their list somewhat and now they're starting to play good footy. I think, like, fair enough if you want to bomb out and rebuild. There's a, a way to go about it. But you don't want to get rid of... You look at Melbourne when they did it and they got rid of McDonald and Sylvia... Not Sylvia, sorry, Bruce and Green and all those sorts of blokes really early in their, in their rebuild to get more kids in. But they lose culture, they lose leadership. You know, they get pumped every week by big margins and it just they don't learn anything yeah so for me I just think you've got to be careful when you do it and I, I, I've i got it on Twitter somewhere and I'm trying to find it where I when Bolton got got hired I said he's a poor man's Mark Neald so that's savage yeah I know and I'm just trying to see if it if it, if it you know that comes true or not because I want to retweet it when it does but um anyway I've probably gone off a bit of course here for me yeah Carlton just they they stink and I don't know how the line is 27 and a half. I know it's West Coast. Is that the G? Is that the G? That's why. I know that. But I think I think yeah, West Coast are pretty good. And Josh Kennedy's back and he was pretty good last week. Darling was pretty good again. Um, Yo, she. Yo came back. I told you to be back in good form last week. Yeah, Easter eggs. Our Easter eggs are actually really good last yeah, week. Yeah, Easter eggs are good. If you listen to me, I said Yo would be you know, to get 30 plus touches and it was around $6. So there you go. We do back winners sometimes, but you got to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is the money. This is the fill-up game for the weekend for me. The line of 27.5 is ridiculous. Take that. And I reckon if you back both Yo and She to get over 30 touches, you'll probably knock both of them off as well. And they're around three bucks each. So you could even probably go over 39.5 because I think this West Coast are 
I know it's at the G and it worries people, but the new Carlton stadium... shouldn't worry you. Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, Carlton doesn't worry me. So this is the game where you fill up for the weekend, I think. Yeah. I don't know what the market is for five or more goals but in the game, but I'd be looking at that too because yeah. I think some of these players are going to kick some bags. To Adelaide, we're heading west. Port Adelaide, $1.52 favourites against Geelong, two fifty-five outsiders. It's an 11-point margin at the Adelaide Oval. Why are Geelong outsiders after... Port Adelaide showing a chink in their armour last week. People are saying that Porter missing Ryder. And I think there's a few more things going on here. I think their work rate the last two weeks has been a bit... Has been a lot further down than what it should be. And probably attitude. They got severely outrun by Essendon. Yeah. And they, that's a team that had forwards they looked, walking the week before. Yeah, they almost looked slow against Essendon. I think, you know, Motlock probably had a poor game. And they probably missed that one or two extra... Blokes, they've got a lot of blokes that win the footy inside. So your Wines, your Boak, even Gray, uh, Wingard, but none of them are overly quick. So when you get a team against them that have a bit of pace, they almost look a bit slow. So I think that's why they probably recruited Motlop. But if it is the only bloke there, then you know, it doesn't really work. Is their four line working at the moment? I don't think it is. They've probably got to work that out. I think Rockcliffe's carrying injury and looks a bit sore. It looks very slow on some of the footage I've seen. But look, they take on a Geelong that's going pretty well. Um, I reckon there'll be pretty, a fair bit of scoring going on in this game because Geelong leak. Uh, Port like the score, so that could be... There you go. But this is a no-bet game for me. Um, I don't know where Port are actually at now. I've kind of lost a bit of confidence in them the last two weeks. Yeah. And maybe we've been sold down a river again with Port. Maybe we've jumped into the hype and we've probably been sold down a river a bit, I reckon. But this weekend will tell us a lot more. Geelong have a really good winning record as well they've won 13 last 14 against Port and they generally do pretty well in Adelaide so they've got a bit of the wood over at Port I'm probably again I've said how I'm not very confident with Port but being in Port Adelaide I think that might sway me to tip Port but this is a definite no bet game for me yeah I, I really fancy Geelong this one I know I don't have the keys this week but if listeners want to back me in that's where I'll be going with this one I think what Geelong has shown all year is they have an adaptability and Port, I'm really off Port now at the moment. That that game against Essendon had some real warning signs of just lacking speed and lacking adaptability. They had a very Melbourne game. They were closer than what Melbourne was to Hawthorne, but those games mirrored each other so much. Yeah. Where they, they were just beaten on the outside. They tried to play skinny and tight because that's what they have. They have the inside ball winners, like you mentioned. And they're just not very smart in their forward line. You see both Port and Melbourne try and take kicks for goal when it's not... Warranted. So again, like, again, in both Melbourne and Port, they're trying to kick ridiculous snaps in the pocket. Just bring it back in, create the contest, lock it in, do what teams like the Hawthorns and Geelongs and Richmonds do, and get win the time and possession, win the con- the territory contest first, find the better shot, then kick the goal, make it really simple for yourself. So playing this really difficult, hard, flamboyant footy all the time yeah. when. Most of the time, the guys who are trying to do it aren't that good. You, you can't all be Eddie Betzes. You can't all be Cyril Rioli. I want to see Port a bit more, I think. I've only seen them play probably two games. And I'm pretty impressed against Port, uh, against Freo, but obviously it's Fremantle. Uh, I watched a little bit of them against Brisbane where they probably should have lost, especially that last 10 or so minutes. And I watched them against Essendon for about three quarters. And, yeah, I wasn't really... Impressed. Probably, probably yeah. just after half time before the Melbourne game started. So, yeah, I wasn't really impressed with their first half. Yeah. So stay away. Stay away. Baz is still tipping for Port, but... Again, if you listen to last week, he did this with Melbourne. So I'd be saying, tip Geelong. 
Fremantle, $1.60 favourites against the Western Bulldogs, $2.35 outsiders over at Optus Stadium. Is the stadium factor enough to account for Frio's 10.5 point favouritism? Because I reckon the doggies are back. The doggies have been good, but they they don't finish off their hard work. I've, I've heard that Tom Boyd's back this week. So does he play forward, and do they stick him forward and leave him forward? Or are they going to play this, what Bevo does with his tall forwards and put, make him ruck and run around the ground instead of having a stay-at-home forward? If they had a proper stay-at-home forward last week, they probably push Sydney and probably almost win. Because Redpath had to go play behind the footy because, you know, as Sydney do, they put lots of numbers behind the footy and stream forward. Doggies thought they'd do the same and it almost worked for them, but they just needed that target, that, that buddy. Not buddy, because you don't get another buddy, are you? But yeah. someone who can create and, you know... And again, the teams that are really dominating this year are the ones that have at least one key key target going forward. And, it's, yeah, it's predictable, but a Tom Boyd is big enough to, to take a man-o-man yeah, tag... Yeah, he's good ...and enough. then just go and just bring it to ground. Do then, what Ruffy does. Yeah. Ruffy, Ruffy's been amazing this year. Even Mason Cox. Yeah, I'm fine. Amazing. Yeah. I'm... You're going to kick it to me. I'm the tallest bloke on the forward line. Yeah. I'm not going to mark it because there are going to be three blokes on me. I'm going to make sure I bring it to ground in front of me to our comers. They're going to kick the goals. Yeah. Or at least Yeah. Or at least stoppage. I'll have nine touches, but I would have had 27 actual real life touches. Spoils, one percenters or whatever. Yeah. And then I've done my job structurally. So if, if they don't play Tom Boyd properly, that's really disappointing because then he's gone through a lot of malarkey in the media and stuff and saying he's not up to it, whatever. But he's also not getting to play as a role. So for the sake of him, he's a forward. Playing forward, let him be a brute, bring the ball to ground, snag a few, clunk a few, do his job. Don't mark him about with trying to gas him in the ruck because he's not got the gas. No, just playing forward. Let English do the ruck work if he's available. And yeah, just back your midfielders in. Let Bon and Poe play midfield forward. Let him do what he wants. Just let, let him off the leash. Mm. Let Joe Hannison run off the back line. But for me, that's talking about doggies, but for me, Freo... Uh, they were good again for a half against JWS, but then faded. So that's twice then they've played decent sort of teams and they've been good for the first half and faded. They do still have a fair few kids playing, but their guns are standing up. So Fire's been really good, especially the last two, three weeks. Neil's been good. Uh, you know, all their players, like Cam McCarthy again, like they're, they're starting to show a bit. I spoke about them a fair bit last week. For me, being back at home has a big factor for them. I think they played, you know, they played really good football the two weeks they've been home, uh, and yeah, I think that Fremantle will win this. I think they win one to thirty nine points and they stay under the one sixty six point five because neither team are really high scoring team. The doggies don't have a lot of goal kickers, and when they do have simple shots like last week where they probably should have won the game, they seem to make them look really, really ordinary. Um, so yeah, for me, Fremantle one to thirty nine and. Under the one six six and a half. Fair, fair. You, you, I think you're still doing it again. You're still That's talking right. up a team or talking down a team and then going opposite way. But how am I talking? What have I done there? Well, we just kind of said that you know the Bulldogs have shown all they've got, got lots of speed off the back and for only play half a game. But I said they've played, they've played two half games away from home against decent opposition. They played Essendon at home and pretty much walled them, walled them the whole game. Yeah. They played Gold Coast at home, and when Gold Coast are actually up and about still, and, and do you show- put the doggies in the same category as Gold Coast and Essendon in a way. I think they're a little bit better, but still, I think Freo have enough around the midfield with Fife and uh, Neil Walters, Valentine, uh, Kiera, Brayshaw, all those. Even though some of the first year players, um, 
and yeah, I just think they've got enough down back with Pierce up forward. Materia's been good. Um, we've spoken Valentine, McCarthy, Tavener. I think those, I think all those blokes show more than what Bulldogs have. And the Bulldogs first, you, you can't get over the Bulldogs first two weeks. Yeah. For me, I still can't get over. And why from the first two weeks to the last two weeks of this effort and everything been going on? And you, you're starting to see Beveridge, you know, talk about the media and certain media personnel and how he wants to let their car tyres down and a few other little things. So I'm still a bit worried that the dogs aren't fully back yet. And they might go over there this week and, and prove me wrong, but I'm pretty confident that Freire will win. And yeah, that 139, 160.5, I'm pretty happy with. So Fair enough. Well, we'll explain or defend it. This one makes no sense to me. North Melbourne, $2.80. Outsiders. Hawthorne, $1.44. The line here is 15.5, the over-under, 190 why aren't Hawthorne like five goal favourites? Yeah, I thought about that too, and I thought, was it in, is it in North? Is it North Hobart or something? Yeah. Or what the game? No, but had any had, so it's a new good day, and yeah, for me, I'm not sure. Like, what has North done? Well, they were, to be this close to Hawthorne. I think people have been sucked into their. They were good against Melbourne, and if you look at Melbourne on the weekend against Hawthorne, they were pretty shit. Yeah. So that, that form line doesn't stack up. Yeah, they beat. Yeah, they were good against Melbourne and Hawthorne beat that team by 60 points. So, yeah. cool. Yeah. Where's the next one? Yeah. Um, they smashed Carlton last week. Yeah, big whoop. Yep, so where does that go? I reckon Old Britannians smashed Br- Br- Carlton at this stage. Yeah. Uh, who did North play around to? They beat St Kilda by 50 points. Yeah, yeah. Before everyone's beaten St Kilda by 50 points. So, yeah, I don't know where that's come from either, to be honest. And for me, it's it's got, it's almost close to best of the weekend, but it's not. Four and a half, Hawthorne for me, dollar nine two. Thank you very much. Unless I know the only other thing I can think of, that, they're going to be missing Pablo and, and, and Cyril. Cyril. But but like just yeah. soldier up to those lads. Like they'll just be like, "Yep, yeah, we'll get our two young blokes in. Cool, we'll cover that gap." Yeah, yeah, we're not going to beat them by eighty points, perhaps. But it's not like it's not like Cyril gets 20, 15, 20 possessions a game or anything, and he hasn't done a lot so far this year. Hmm. Pablo is probably again, you know, his defensive work rate. But I reckon you could find you know, John O'Rourke for one has been absolutely tearing it up in the, in the Magoo so he might come in and you know he's a number two draft pick from a few years ago went to GWS and he's had his injury problems and lifestyle problems and maybe he's starting to realise hang on I mean I need to play AFL footy I'm good enough but it's whether he can yeah. turn him like his opportunity and there you go but for me yeah that four and a half line is just ridiculous and I'll be backing that in and from what I saw at Hawthorne last week they'll dismantle the Hawthorne very um Courageous and probably, you know, a lot of effort from North Melbourne, but they won't stay within two and a half goals. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of chat here that's expecting this to be a really high-scoring game. Um, do we see the Hawks getting scored against a lot? No, nah, not really. So I, I, I want to see a few more rounds before I start really hitting the over-unders. Yeah. I want to start seeing... I want to look at the conversion stats and, and see some more stats before I start hitting that. So for me, I'm just going to leave that alone a bit and... Yeah. No, that's fair enough. That was more just the point of there. I don't think North are good enough to, to score heavily against no, Hawthorne. No. Like to come in here and be like, yeah, these are two high scoring teams negates the fact that we just mentioned the teams that were high scoring against in terms of North. So yeah. let's not the same thing happened last week. They're like, Oh, Melbourne and Hawthorne, they're two high scoring teams and then Melbourne didn't get anywhere near it for three quarters. So yeah. as you said, we need we need longer trend lines to talk about how they're moving the ball inside fifty, how they're converting their set shots before you start going and be a little bit cutesy. That's, that's the only reason why, like, at the moment, I kind of... I stick to the to the lines and the, the, the spreads. 
Um, and I'm starting to get more into like goal kicking and, and possession getters because you can start getting a read on which teams. You, know, you look at Carlton and Gold Coast especially, and even yes, um, to a point now St Kilda. There's blokes getting off the chain because they don't have they don't have the midfield depth to bat deep to cover everyone or, or be defensive on everyone. So mm-hmm. they might go to a, for instance, you know Carlton uh, or even Gold Coast. They might go to a Mark Murphy. But then uh, Ed Kerno gets 38 touches, or they might go to a Lockie Neal for a quarter, and Fife gets 16. So I go shit, better go to Fife, and then Neal gets 20, and then they go, we'll sit on both of them. Then Ballantyne pops up with 25, and you're seeing it with, yeah, you see it with those sorts of teams that you can see that you can almost guarantee that the third string sort of midfielder will get good possessions, and that's how we got you know the week with Fife and Neal and. You know, last week, you know, I gave you um, yo. yo. So you can pick up on it pretty early, and then obviously the trends follow on through the year. So that's how we, well, that's how I go mm. about it. So that's why we need a bit more stats based, and we're playing a bit safe, probably with the lines and the spreads. But wait till we're probably another four or five rounds, and we'll have some more data and hopefully some more coin. Brisbane, dollar seventy eight favourites. You get beaten with your lowest score in your history as a club and you come into this game favourites against the Gold Coast $2.05 outsiders they're playing at the Gabba perhaps it's a home ground advantage in inverted commas the line's three and a half the over under 181 this is just wrong yeah I, I think I messaged you on Monday and said how the hell are Brisbane favourites how did you how, how do you not show up and then go into favouritism yeah look I'm not touching this game this game is being left well and truly alone I'm probably going to tip Gold Coast. Yep. Probably going to tip Gold Coast. Leaning about 70, 80% towards Gold Coast. Um, just for the pure fact, I think they've been better than... I know Brisbane were good against uh, Port and uh, probably should have beaten... Got close to Melbourne, but Melbourne were 40-odd points up. They were good against St Kilda in patches, but Gold Coast has shown me more. They had, they've had one aberration. That was last week. It's got West Coast... But we spoke about how they spent nine days in, in Perth. They were pretty good against Freo for most of the game. It probably lacked a bit of manpower. They got, I think they got enough over Brisbane. I think they got enough staff factor, especially down down forward and down back. They probably got them covered. And I, I don't see Brisbane scoring that as easily. I see Gold Coast being able to score a lot easier. Um, and just going back on form and stats and stuff like that, you just think, I think Gold Coast are a better team and... I just think that they should win, really. But I'm not. I'm not going to throw money on it. Yeah. There's this is very much a too hard to pick. The only exotic bet I'll ever get on this one would you go both ways, but you just pick a team. Whoever leads at quarter times will win. That's 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 my bet. Oh really? That's I reckon it's this. This is my. There's there's no plan B. There's like they didn't have a plan A really, but whoever leads at quarter time, they can't change their game style. There's no coming back. The only good thing, like Jack Martin, like he signed his second year of football in Gold Coast. Before he even played a game, Gold Coast signed for six or seven years. I mean, he's starting to show some of the footy he's capable of playing, and it's good that it's happening. And hopefully, he keeps keeps going on with it because he's he's a pretty exciting sort of player. Yeah. But yeah, that's for me. I'm just a, yeah. That game is a watch. Probably won't watch. To be honest. Yeah, that's game just to leave. Yeah, just uh, just to leave. On to the showcase games. It's Anzac weekend, of course. Melbourne. $2.65 outsiders versus Richmond, $1.49 at the G at night under the spotlight. Anzac Day Eve. The line here is 13 and a half points. What has Melbourne done to deserve that? 
they should be nowhere near it. Yeah, you look at Richmond's last two weeks versus Melbourne's, and yeah, Richmond should be... Reigning Premiers, massive pressure points, finally found some goal-kicking... Like, they're firing on all cylinders essentially yeah there was the slight question mark about the Adelaide game the Adelaide game was always a, always a massive hype game for Adelaide wanting to prove a point we, yeah, should, that, we that, should have been premiers blah 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 other than that, that yeah. convincing against Carlton convincing against um, in their other two games they, they, they Richmond just win this by plenty like yeah. it's, it's going to be bad know, for the showcase I don't think plenty but I think Richmond at the line is pretty handy 13 and a half even maybe, and I just talk about over unders, but so last week you had, you know, I think it was one one sixty odd, one sixty five Melbourne Hawthorne. It's one seventy six here, so it's a couple more points up. I'll be looking at disposal markets. I think with Dusty, um, I think if he gets thirty two dollars twenty, or even Cotchen two dollars seventy five, I think one of those two should uh, should get thirty touches. So tell your head glasses off here. Yeah. We saw him play Hawthorne last week, Melbourne. Yeah. You said last week, before even watching that game, they, they get scored against heavily in long patches. Yeah. That's now just bona fide fact. Yeah. Richmond had a multifaceted Mosquito fleet that just loves to score goals now. Yeah. Relentless pressure on the forward line. Everything that Hawthorne did to them, Richmond can do as well. Yeah. How, how is this not... I'm not saying we should go and say 40-plus, but what I'm saying is how are you not coming in here being super confident that... Richmond do a number on Melbourne. Oh, I've got, I've got confidence. I'll you know cover the line. It's my best bet of the best bet of the weekend, which hurts me in a tip. I'm about to say, get shit up about it, Baz. Um, get shit up about how good Richmond are right now. No, I can't. <laughs> um, but for me, it's a big game. It's a massive game. There's gonna be ninety thousand people. You know, it's a big game. The Grand Final. Richmond won that one too. It is. And, but, and the prelim before that, and the qualifying final before that. But I just have a feeling that Melbourne might show a bit more. I'm not saying that they're going to win because they're not because Richmond I'm back in Richmond, right? Yeah. You reckon Melbourne's going to show up? I reckon Melbourne might show up and they'd probably still get beaten by five goals but it's not a pumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if it was a pumping then I reckon Melbourne will be under the spotlight next week. I just don't see how they change that. Like We, went, we just spent, you know, close 20 minutes explaining all the four balls that Melbourne have. Yeah. How do they fix that? Like, who, who do they fix it with? Like, I just don't see, I don't see how they fix that in a week. Yeah, but, against against the best side in the competition. Yeah, as we see, this yeah. is this is that spotlight game. It's going. It is, it this is. is this is the one time, as you said last week, the Bevo tactic. This is this is your opportunity to use the Bevo tactic. Be oh. like, you guys better show up, otherwise we are all on the, we're all on the back page of the of the newspaper. Well, did Essendon use that tactic last week? Because they came out and looked a different side. Like that's. That, I think a lot of this. It's funny. Like a lot of it's above your head, really. If you come out with the right attitude and right and the mentality. And be fierce at the ball, then you never know what's going to happen. Like you look at Collingwood the last two weeks. Look at Collingwood Friday night. You saw you're playing your role. I'm attacking that bloke. I'm ripping his head off. Richmond have been doing it for years, or for the last two years, sorry, or year and a bit, I suppose. Um, I won't say two years yet because there's still 18 games to go or, or more. Surely Melbourne rock up and, and say, oh, "I've got a point to prove it," and just give 150 percent and show something. Yeah, I don't believe that anymore. Don't I'm really it. off. I'm really, really off, off Melbourne. I'm really off Melbourne. And just stuff like, as much as I, I as much as I absconded you for it last week about the Maxi thing, Maxi Gorn writing the article. The thing I saw on the weekend was Jesse Hogan give Mira a a head rub. So Mira turns over. I think his first kick went. I think he's kind of skidded a little bit. It was wet. It was sloppy, and it kind of fumbled out of bounds. 
And then Jesse Hogan comes over and gives him a little head rub, being like, oh, welcome to the big legs, champ. And then they go and have a stinker. Yeah. Like, you can't have that attitude. No. Like, what has Melbourne done to deserve to go around and say to a first gamer who's put in for seven years in the Magoos, being their captain and the best and fairest winner in the VFL, he's, he's achieved more in the game than Hogan has. Yeah. And for him to go around and do that attitude just shows that club... And again, I'm buying into all your stuff now. The whole, like, pre-season trip. Yeah. Like, let's not do it because it's too hard. And like, you got... You got yeah, also this is, this is, this, is, this is your job. And it's not a job. It's more of a privilege. Like, yeah. you've been selected. You're lucky enough that someone liked you along the pathway system. They didn't like someone else who had the same talent skill set. And then you've been lucky enough to get this position. And now you're like, oh, I've made it. I'm a big show. But you haven't made it because making it is doing what... The rest, the rest of the teams do when they go on and win premierships and know that the, what the Richmonds and the Collingwood did on that Friday play your role knock that guy's head off do your bit for the team it's not about you it's about us as a, as a club yeah. and Melbourne don't have that and no. until they do they won't, they won't play good well, you know, Goodwin said it was one of their worst losses and stuff but then they talked up Nathan Jones' game so that's the sort of thing I'm talking about with Melbourne where mm. they, they lost and got smashed but they're still trying to be positive about it and like pumping up people's tyres if that's where their minds are at like if that was that was Buckley, like round one. He goes, I'm going to let my football do the talking, but you know what? We didn't show up tonight, so I didn't do the talking. Lay it on me. That's yeah. what he said, pretty much. Like, give it all you got because you, you got every right because our football didn't do the talking. Since then, our football's been doing the talking, and all of a sudden the media's jumping on it. All of a sudden, we're premiership favourites. You know, newspaper articles about how we're coming in in the, in the market. Wayne all Jerry these, needs to pull his head. All this bull crap that just means that Essendon and Pumpers this week, and everyone be back on Buckley, should be sucking away and it again. Anyway, for me, <laughs> Richmond at the line, and uh, yeah, have a look at Dusty and Trent Koch, and over two bucks to get 30 or more. The final game, the Anzac Day game, one of the best spectacles usually of the year, if not always the best game. Collingwood are $1.81 favourites, that's right. They're Premiership favourites, they're Anzac Day medalist favourites as well, versus Eston, $2 outsiders. The line here is 2.5 points, the over-under 180 Anzac Day games told us anything. They're like grand funnels. Literally anything can happen. But who takes the cake on Anzac Day? I'm so... I, I don't know where to go with this. I'm actually... I don't know. Because obviously my, my heart, head is telling me that the last two or three weeks of Collingwood versus the last two or three weeks of Essendon says that Collingwood should win. Yes. We're not going to get back Darcy Moore or any of those boys. We're not going to see them because we've got a five-day break to Richmond and I think they're setting them for that. Um, so our team will probably remain pretty much unchanged from last Friday night. Esther and I'm not sure. I don't know why it took... Uh, it's been gone through social media. Like you've got an Australian forward, Australian backman. Hooker goes back, Stringer stays forward. All of a sudden you see their input lift. So I don't know why they keep trying to change it around. The effort was great. They also must have listened to the podcast last week because uh, McGrath went back to half-back back line and had a bit more influence. So I'm worried also the fact that Joe Danaher has done nothing this year. Absolutely nothing. Stunk it up. Big big day, big game. Might be the day that he decides to kick six or seven on us. And for me, I worry about it because we haven't really got a match-up for him. We've got no one. Look, you got obviously Jeremy Howe. Probably leap, but he hasn't got the body strength. He hasn't got the probably the leap or anything like you know one on one. If Jeremy Ang gets a run and jump at it, it's fine. But if he doesn't get a run and jump at it, Lyndon Dunn can't go with him. Um, so for me, it's 
It's a bit of a concern there. There's a few of their other forwards, like you know, James Stewart and stuff like that. So maybe we do see someone come in for in our back line to help with their tours. Our forward line's been pretty so good. Pause you there. Like you play Adelaide, Adelaide have three tools. You dealt with them fine. Yeah, but ta- and Adelaide's tolls are better than Essendon's tolls. Yes, Adelaide's having a bit on, of a hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You can't say you can't say Jenkins is probably. So I was going to wait to the end for this, but Tex Walker does nothing. He hasn't done anything, and some of the footage from him on the weekend where he takes his eyes off the ball to go to the man, then misses the man, misses the ball. He's he's either sore, which is fine. You know, so you're playing, mate. So I don't care if you're sore. You're the captain of the club. You've given him absolutely donuts the first few rounds that you've played. You gave him donuts in the, most of the finals last year. Every big game I've ever seen, you've given him donuts. So you can't say he's one of the best forwards in the game. He's an overhyped I didn't forward. say he's one of the best forwards no, no, in the game. I said that he's... I reckon Adelaide's trio is better than Essendon's trio. I reckon, I reckon, I reckon Tex Walker's way overrated. Yeah, fair enough. He is way overrated. Is, is Danaher overrated as well? No. Because he's not given anything on defence. We've seen him walk. Yeah, we've seen, seen him walk. walk on turnovers. We've seen him not kick great from set shots this year, which is yeah. literally his only job as a key position forward. Yeah. Unless there's something else going on with Dano, he, he he's likely to turn up on the, on Wednesday and just dominate. That's what worries me because if he does that, then Essendon smashes. Because I feel like this is where you get clouded now. You're getting clouded from the years of pain as a, as a Collingwood fan. I am because it, Dano has done nothing this year to suggest he will turn up. Yeah, I know. And he didn't turn up last week, and they were winning. And Essendon are, you know, the old primo downhill skiers. We know that. They are. But there was another big game. And I think if Essendon have done their homework right, they'll see how we've been using the footy and using Cox. And they should go absolutely town that and have their homework set. And they probably... Like, I know we've kicked pretty well the last two weeks, but if, if you, go to, you do your homework and watch our ball movement and how we're handballing a lot and put lots and lots of pressure on us, we're going to butcher the footy and, and rush kick it, which means your defenders should be able to set up pretty nicely and we should be able, not be able to score. It but how do you, what's the opposite then? How do Collingwood beat Essendon? Oh, so you've, just, you've just had two good weeks of footy. Yeah. So surely there's something in there. Suggest The line's only three points. Surely there's something in there that you could suggest that Collingwood can beat Essendon. Oh, our selflessness has been great and our, our, our positioning, our tactics. So And even like going... We, one thing we've done, I, I watched against Adelaide I've got some down ground vision is going to the most dangerous and reading the play you would have seen it probably it would have been 10 to 15 times James H did it really really well so young Phillips they'd see the next chain of possession from Adelaide and just leave their man and absolutely sprint and lay the tackle as he gets the footy now that has two like that's good for us that you got there and everything but if he doesn't get there in time then they're out like they're away like we're stuffed I think that's, and Trelaw said it as well after the game, is where over the last probably two seasons, they haven't really had defined roles and they haven't been sure when to go, when not to go, is now they have got confidence in that in the role and they've got confidence in their forwards to kick it low and if, if it can't get there, obviously Reed's playing well as well. If they can't hit that short target, they've got the bailout kick to Cox and they know he's not getting beaten and at the moment he's getting scraped having blokes hanging off him not getting free kicks, but he's still taking marks or bringing it to ground or death little taps over the back or forward. And yeah, I just, I really like the way we're going. I'm still a bit worried about our back line, even against Adelaide, you know, worried me late. So yeah, I just, still side bottom, you know, plays a selfless game, but still racks up 40 touches. Penelby's playing selfless, he's been a bit more tagging. 
than what he usually is, you know, not getting the footy as much as what he probably has in the past, which has caught some criticism for some reason. And other blokes are standing up. It's just, yeah, for me, I just, I'm just i not confident in either way of this. So I'm just probably talking a bit of gibberish, but I want to tip Collingwood because... I'm might... tipping Collingwood. I'm tipping Collingwood, and then if you really want to have some fun, I'd be going still side bottom for best on ground. Yep. Um... But there's a little bit of Richmond here. There's a little bit of Richmond with the whole niggles about, oh, why are Pelly's doing certain things? I think Pendles and, and Koch are having the same kind of progression. I think, well, obviously Pendles is a bit older, been in the league for a bit, bit more. And a better but, player. Poor. One has a brown and one doesn't, mate. Fucking scary. <laughs> this, this is what I mean, though. So, like, right now, Pendles has gone from being an absolute jet of, jet of a player to now doing the selfless captain stuff and being like, no, I'll take, I'll take the best mid... And yeah. still make him accountable. Yeah. So it'll cost me 10 touches, but I'm still having a massive impact and, you know, Bucks knows what I'm doing. And I say that about, you know, other blokes staying up with your side bottoms, with your aces, with your trelaws. Phillips. With your Phillips. And, and making something out of blokes who are, are a bit skew-if. So we had Nank last year play out of his skin. You're making something out of Cox now, giving him a defined role. There's something, there's a lot to like then. There's a lot of buy-in within the team. And with Essendon, I think, as you said, like got an Australian forward, got an Australian back. But it doesn't seem to be much in between and how they connect all the dots. So for mine, I'm going with Collingwood. Sub on for best on. But uh, again, leave that one alone. Just pay your respects in the morning and watch the footy in the evening. Well, the other thing you, I, I like from Collingwood at the moment is, so I'll use Phillips as an example. You go through the game table, GWS and, and then Carlton as well. The, both those games, and more so GWS was under pressure you know, late in the game. He had 10, 15 metres running into an open goal but rushed it, didn't have that composure, missed both of them. Adelaide, early in the game, when things were still tight and, and it was on, he got the ball about 35, 40 out, had time. He actually learnt, has learnt and took that extra second, drilled it. So that sort of thing, you know, Colin would have starting to maybe get it, but now that I've probably said that, I'll probably get done by 60 points on Wednesday. <laughs> Not, not at all. Pinewood all the way from mine. All right. So throwing a lot of stuff out there into the into the atmosphere. A lot of things to think about. Let's make it crystal clear for the listeners, Baz. Enough of the Easter eggs now for the real big plays. What's your feature picks for the weekend? You've got the keys. I'm gonna let you. Have the goal square, off the full charge, here we go. My best was Richmond, dollar nine two to cover the line. My value is Fremantle one thirty nine, which is around two dollars ten. My roughy is Hawthorne at forty plus, which is three dollars sixty. And my multi is Hawthorne at the line, GWS at the line, Richmond at the line, and Fremantle to win, which gives you eleven dollars thirty two. Not bad value at all there. And with that, when the multi does get up this week, which we are due to get one, you better shout your mates, a bit of dinner, a few beers, on Anzac Day night, getting ready for you back to the work the next day, down at the Yorkshire Hotel. Thank you, Baz, for your preparation. Cheers. And uh, good luck, because if you are, you know, you have, you know, you've requested the ball, you've dominated possessions, you got to make sure you come through the win now. Otherwise, there might be a little bit of a... Match review afterwards. So I need a match review afterwards, and just as long as you know, a few bets get up, cover our weekend, make some more. Uh, 
Oh, Brighton, get up. Come on, get up. I don't know. I'm happy for the next Wednesday. Absolutely. See you.